Hello, internet people. Welcome back to another episode of Top Comment Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Tommaso, and today is part two of my financial well-being series. That title makes this sound way more cool than it actually is, but uh, we're going to talk about how to figure out what to charge clients as a freelancer. Here we go. Before we begin, it's been about a week since we last chatted. I missed you guys, and I hope you had a great week and weekend since our last episode. I'm sure you were all busy making cool shit. Uh, I had a couple shoots last week, and over the weekend, I shot my first wedding as a photographer. So usually I just shoot wedding videos as a side gig to make some extra cash, like in the summer. But this time, I had the opportunity to shoot photos. I'm uh, super stoked on everything. I was working on edits all day today, and I can't wait to share those with you guys and the bride and groom. Um, keep an eye on my Instagram at I'm Patrick T to see some highlights from that. I also saw Crazy Rich Asians last night, which honestly exceeded all my expectations. I thought the trailer made it out to be some pretty generic rom-com, but I had a really good time. It's actually got some like absolutely breathtaking set pieces in it, which is not something I usually say about a film like that but if you're looking for a fun late summer popcorn movie definitely go check out crazy rich asians um, i'm sorry it's been so long since we last chatted i've just been like insanely busy i was shooting all last week a couple client videos and then i had this wedding and i had to do all the editing from everything so this one unfortunately got put a little bit behind but i promise you know we got this episode coming up today and i already have another episode planned for tomorrow so we're back right on schedule we're hitting the ground running okay now that we're all caught up let's get to the meat and potatoes what are you worth as a creator this is a tough question that i think every creator has to ask themselves well, i mean obviously has to ask themselves when they first go freelance uh, but thankfully i don't think it's as challenging as it may seem because you know what you're not unique and i mean you're unique in that you're a special person but you're not unique in terms of like what you do isn't entirely new there's so many people doing very similar work to you and there's a market that you need to tap into to not only be competitive but to not over or undercharge. Um, before you even get to that point, though, there's like some things you really got to do from like a housekeeping point of view. So you need to calculate. First thing, like you really got to do is calculate all of your expenses, and I mean like everything. So how much your transportation costs, your living expenses, how much food you buy, the booze, the clothes, um, your entertainment, your equipment, monthly subscriptions, any software that you have to use. Uh, now that you're on your own, you're not in an office anymore. You got to think about things like healthcare and insurance. Your income tax is going to be different. So these are all things that you got to like sort of calculate in terms of like what's your base living cost? Like what does it take for you to really survive? Remember how in the last episode where I said you should probably use accounting software? Well, here's where that really starts to help. And it helps even more if you can get an actual accountant, but then you got to add that to your expenses as well. But once you have your monthly expenses done, you got to add that up and multiply it by 12 because you need to see how much you need to make in a year just to survive, like your baseline. That's the keeping the lights on money. For example, let's say you have 25 grand a year in expenses. So you're going to want to make a hell of a lot more than that a year. An entry level salary in content marketing is usually like 35K to 45K. Let's aim high and say you want to make 65K a year, mainly because you never know what unexpected expenses come up. So maybe your car breaks down or your rent goes up or your laptop is too slow. You need a solid cushion just to be safe. So that 65K a year now is your guiding light. So everything you do now is in service of aiming to hit that that like magic number. So how do you do that when everything is sort of like job to job? Well, this is where being strong at math helps. You need to figure out your billable hours to know what an hour of your time is worth. There's plenty of online calculators that will help you here. So basically search billable hour calculator. Um, a bunch show up in Google. So you pop in your salary and it will shoot you back an estimated hourly rate. I just used one um, for our hypothetical 65K a year and it worked out to like 98 bucks, which coincidentally is great because in the work that I do, which is like the photo video work, 100 to $150 an hour is pretty standard. So when I quote a job, 
I'm usually considering an hour of my time to be worth about 75 to 150 bucks. So a lot of people also do a day rate. So for example, in Toronto, if you're a videographer with like decent gear and a portfolio, you can easily charge 1200 to 1500 bucks a day for your services. As a video editor, the general rate seems to be around like 50 to 75 an hour. For photos, it's a little bit different. It's typically less, but it's also dependent on the industry. Like wedding photography, for example, is incredibly inflated price-wise, but like food photography is way undervalued. Um, so this is where you need to do your research. A good tip is to like email some successful production companies or other shooters with like a concept or something similar to the work that you want to be doing and just ask them for a quote. You're being a little bit sneaky here, but there's no harm or foul in someone shopping around for prices. So more often than not, they will give you a solid ballpark. And then you can take that as a reference for your own pricing because that will be like the market price that's sort of out there. Definitely get a couple so you can see like what are other people charging for the work that you do. If you're not a photographer or videographer, the best advice I can give you is to know your industry. Like... I keep saying you got to do your research, but ask around, network with other freelancers in your profession. People are typically like very eager to talk about compensation because the more alignment there is among the community, the better protected we are with clients. So like we need to drive the price, not the clients. Otherwise we'll be working for peanuts and scraps and that's like no way to be successful. One of the best things about being freelance is you have way less overhead than traditional shops and companies. Like you're not paying for employees, electricity bills or large offices. You're not even like buying beer to keep the office fridge stocked. You're looking out for you. So like that's your competitive edge when when it comes to pricing your work. So don't lose that. We had a Twitter question come in from last episode about this too. And this is from Alex Coley on Twitter. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. And the question was, hey, Patrick, episode request. What to do when a client tries to negotiate down your invoice or rate? Had this happened this summer, lost 500 bucks. Basically decided my energy wasn't worth taking the small claims court. Awful demeaning experience. That is a very demeaning experience. Okay, here's here's the, the tough part with this is... Oftentimes, if you're working with big companies, they kind of have the upper hand. I've heard of very large agencies that work with, you know, million dollar budgets with companies where, you know, a year goes by and they're out like $1.2 million. And you can't go to that major, major company and be like, hey, guys, you owe us a million bucks. They go, well, take us to court. And then you go to court and you're out a million bucks just in court fees before you ever see a dime. And you're probably bankrupt and out of business before that even ever happens. Unfortunately, like I wish we were better protected right now, like specifically in Canada, it's unfortunate that the freelance industry hasn't really caught up with the employment like rules and laws and regulations in general. I know in New York, there's some some better sort of legislation went through that covers us better, like covers freelancers in terms of like getting paid on time, um, having some any sort of coverage like health insurance wise, if you're working for them long term. Um, but mainly it's like there's contractual obligations that they have to pay the specified amount that you agreed upon at the beginning and it's covered by the government as well. So it's actually like legislative. And the problem is here in Canada, it's a very gray and loose, like where it's all up in the air. So I agree that you made the right decision here and not going to small claims court, but what really sucks about it is that you lost 500 bucks. To me, that's like just a lesson in like never do work with that client again. Um, the best you could probably do to avoid this in the future is have a signed agreement, estimate, or contract in writing before you do any work. And then you could also come up with a strategy that you don't release all of the work, or sorry, you don't provide all of the work back to them until it's paid in full. So you can kind of keep a bit of collateral. You know, in photo video, a lot of people will put like a watermark on their content until they pay. Um, or maybe you only provide like part one if there's two parts, as, as an example. You can do these things to sort of like hold a little bit of, of the work back bef to make sure that you get all your money for it. Otherwise, you might end up in a position like this where they're like, hey, you know what? We're not going to pay you 500 bucks. So, you know, screw you. 
where that's that really sucks is if you didn't do anything wrong too, right? Like they just completely took advantage of you. Again, I'm I'm sorry this sort of happened to you, and I wish there was a better answer in terms of like being protected for things like this. But you just gotta, gotta cover your ass moving forward. It's a lesson we all have them, um, and the best thing to do is sort of pick up and keep going, right? So I would say like to recap something like that is like cover yourself as much as possible ahead of time. So get that stuff in writing and then also consider not providing all of the assets until all the money comes through. I know we work in a very fast paced industry where things really got to go live fast. That's also where the deposits come into play. So, you know, at least you can get some of it out of there, but you know, a lot of this right now specifically within Canada is built upon just like trust between us and these clients. So I hope that answers your question, Alex. Thank you so much for reaching out with that. If you guys have questions for me, you can always tweet us at real top comment, or you can tweet me directly at I'm Patrick T. I think that wraps it up for this episode. This was episode six and we're getting back into the groove with this. I keep having so much fun with this podcast and I'm already excited to start recording the next one. I might even just start recording it after this one. Um, I have one small plug to do. I have a new song up, so it's also on Spotify and iTunes where you're probably likely listening to this podcast. So if you search uh, Spike Fincher, on Spotify and iTunes, you can see my newest song, White Sheets and Powder. I'm very proud of it. It was a lot of fun to make. I'm going to start making more music, and I might actually just outro this episode with a little bit of a preview of that song. Thank you so much. This is Top Comment Podcast. My name is Patrick Tomaso, and we'll see you next time I feel like talking. Cheers, guys. <laughs>